So we're finishing up our series. I told the tech people, I'll give you a high sign when you start recording. Um, that was just for us. I don't need to have that out on podcast. So finishing up our series, Call Me Crazy, and hopefully it's been a, a good series for you, maybe a good reminder, maybe an encouragement for you. Hopefully you've taken the information that I have lovingly prepared and thrown out to you every week, and you have that in your tool belt, and so you're going to be able to have interactions and conversations who are hurting and who need to pull away from what the world thinks and understand it as a different way of doing life, a better way of doing life. And today we want to bring some truth to a world that's completely confused about families and how families should operate. And so I've prepared for you, um, actually I stole this from somebody else, but these are today's approved family authority structures. All right. And so Eight of the, you could have any of these eight things going on in your home and you'd be okay. Culture would say, way to go. You could have the wife having authority over her husband. You could have the mom having authority over her kids and the kids having authority over the dad. You could have mom having authority over the kids, kids having authority over pets, and pets having authority over dad. You could have kids having authority over mom and mom having authority over dad. You could have mom having authority over kids. You could have kids having authority over mom. You can have mom having authority over mom who have authority over kids, or you can have dad having authority. In fact, this is the only time a dad can have authority if he's got authority over the other dad who then have authority over the kids. Now, you, you might laugh at that. You might think that's kind of a funny way of looking at how culture operates. You may doubt that it's that way. But let me challenge you, having thrown that up on the screen, if you happen to watch any TV... Don't surf off the commercials, all right? Because if you, if you will look at these commercials, you'll notice something, that every time there is a dad in the commercial, the dad is a buffoon. He's emotionally stunted. He's stupid. He's not needed to make decisions. In fact, he's the one who caught, I was looking for a commercial, and I couldn't find it on YouTube. It was really bugging me. There's this family sitting around a table, and I can't remember if it's a streaming service or a phone service or something, but they were saying that people, that the family needed to put more in. <clears throat> and so they had three kids and a mom and a dad. Anyways, long story short, it comes down to the littlest kid says, well, Dad, I guess then you need to leave. Because... It was going to be the mom and the kids who were going to solve this problem. They didn't need the dad. Watch any TV show, <clears throat> especially sitcoms. And this goes back all the way years ago, back into the 90s even. The dads are always, like I said, emotionally stunted or self-absorbed or bumbling fools. And they're not needed. And so I've been thinking this during this entire series, who, who uh, sets the agenda? Who... How does our culture move the way it moves? Is it media that kind of influences society or society influencing media? Is it coming out of the colleges? Is it, uh, where does it come from? It, it's really weird. And, and to be totally honest with you, I don't really know. I, I can't figure it out. I'm not that smart. But I do know this. With all of this, and specifically when it comes to families, students... You have classmates whose families are crumbling. They are being destroyed and disintegrating, and your friends are living this nightmare. 
Parents, you've got co-workers and neighbors and family members whose families are being destroyed by a culture that's telling them the wrong way to do family, and they believe it's the way to go. And so for us as Christians, if we truly believe that there is a God, and there is, and we truly believe that He is the one who designed this whole world, and we truly believe that He is the one who brings peace and stability to our lives and to our families, we need to bring this message to those people in our lives. We've got to live for something more than what we're living for. Too many families, Christian families, are living for money. They're living for prestige. They're living for what everybody else in this world is living for. I'm telling you, that is not the way forward. You will crumble just like society around you. We as Christian families need to get what we're talking about today. We need to get this. Kids, you need to get this. Parents, you need to get this. We need to welcome those crumbling families into our lives. We need to interject our families into their families' lives. We need to let them know that there is peace and stability offered. It is through faith in Jesus Christ and doing life the way he says to do it. But for that to happen, we need to choose. We need to say, no, we're going to do this God's way. Both kids and parents committing. No, we're going to do it God's way. Does it look weird? Yes. Will we be made fun of? Probably. Is that a reason why not to do it? Not at all. We need to trust that God really does mean what he says. That children really do need to obey and respect their parents. That parents really do need to train and discipline their children in the Lord. It really needs to happen that way, and only that way. So let's see what God has to say about how the family is to operate. We're going to be in Ephesians chapter 6, 1 through 4, just four verses, but I'm telling you, it won't be a short message. No, it'll, we'll try to get through this in, you know, two or three hours. <laughs> so this is the children. Now, just set the context. <clears throat> the, the context is um, just before this, now, Pastor Jason did a great job last week talking about marriage, but he used first uh, Peter, which is awesome. But in Ephesians 5, 22 through 33, it's about marriage. And before that, it's about just kind of general, uh, all the way back to chapter 4, verse 1, is how do we live a life worthy of the calling of Jesus Christ? In other words, how do we live life that reflects back to a world that we are truly Christians, Christ followers? Okay? And so then it says this, gets through with the parents, the mom and dad, the husband and wife, and it says this, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. No other way is right. This is the right way. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise. Why? Why do you do that, children? Why do you respond to your parents in obedience and respect? It's so that you may, it may be well with you, and you may live long on the earth. And that comes all the way back to Exodus 3,500 years ago. This isn't, isn't anything new. This is how God has designed it from the very beginning. And so before I get into the, the children here, I want to go back and I want to say this. Parents, you are in charge. 
You are the master of your kingdom in that sense. Not your kids. It's not their teachers. It's not the government. You, God is saying, are the one who is to be in charge, to raise your kids. Now, you might be a single parent. You might be a grandparent who's raising your grandkids. You never thought that that would happen, but it's happening. And you might be what we call a traditional family. A husband, a man, and the wife, a woman with children. But it, it doesn't change. Now, there's a, there's a difficult situation that you're in. Maybe more so than ever before. And that's this. Society says children are in charge. It's for the children. It's about what the children want. It's, it's how they view things. It's, we should be catering to what they think, even if it means changing their gender. We need to be doing that. And, and then there's this other dynamic where, and this has become more and more over the years. It wasn't so much when, I, my, my, when my parents were raising us, but it seems like in my generation maybe, where parents started wanting to become their children's friend. They, they wanted to have a friendship with their child. The problem with that is if you do that, then you're afraid of losing that friendship. There, there are some, um, and I've even heard this, there are some women who would say, well, <clears throat> I'm going to have a child because at least then somebody will love me. So they've got this emotional need that they've had growing up. The people in their life didn't do the right job of, of pouring into them and encouraging them and demonstrating sacrificial love to them. And they weren't filled up. They weren't hap having happened to them what we're going to be talking about here from their parents. And so they're craving love. They're craving somebody to love them and accept them. And so they say, hey, I'm going to have a child. That'll work. No, it won't. That child will suck everything out of you. You've got to be ready for that. It's not about you getting something out of that child. It's you pouring into that child. You've got to be emotionally ready for that before you ever have a child. So, of course, they don't want to upset their child because they want their child to love them. That's not the direction that God has planned it. We've got parents who are running ragged, doing whatever their children want them to do. Because it's the children. We've got to do it for the children. We don't want the children to be upset. They can eat whatever they want to eat. We've got parents working overtime. Two and three different jobs. I know people like this. So they can pay for $200 gym shoes. These were hand-me-downs. Anyways, still wearing them. They're real comfortable. Mooch, people. No, I'm just kidding. We got people running after sports and activities. Again, children now are changing their gender. There are parents waiting on naming their kids so that when the child gets old enough to decide what gender they want to be, then they'll give them the name that matches whatever gender they want to be. 2024, I, heard, I just read an article this week, 2024 is going to be the year of the gender, uh, gender fluid name. So kids are going to have names in 2024 that are, it could be a boy or a girl. We just don't really know. Romans 1, we're not going to look at it, but Romans 1, 28-32, there's a list of, of um, sin in a culture that when these things become prominent, it is a, it's a showing that the, the culture is crumbling, and right in the middle of it, it says, 
disobedient to parents. We've got a culture that says, children, do what you want. You lead the charge. And our society, it's one of the reasons why our society is crumbling. Children aren't the authority. They don't dictate the rules. They're not the center of your family. And I'm not speaking from, as a kid, who this was true in my family's life, so I'm all upset about it. This is scripture. This is why my parents said, Harold, you're not the center of our lives. We'll tell you what to do. We'll tell you what's best for you because we know what's best for you. I'll get into that in a second. So what does God mean by, by children? So it, the Greek word is technon. It means offspring who are too young to marry, who are living in the home. So that's what we're talking about as we talk about children. Now, I just kind of do, need to do a little side note. As you read through the Old Testament, you'll notice that grown children uh, who are still in the home obeyed their parents. It was the expectation that a grown child, someone who is of marrying age, who is not yet married but in the home, they had to obey their parents. In the New Testament, it says that grown children are responsible to care for their elderly parents. So, I just, I'm throwing out a piece of advice here, a little encouragement for you. Uh, this could really go in your, in your favor in a great way. I'm only half joking. Maybe a quarter joking, maybe three quarters serious. Go and find the Old Testament passages and find the New Testament passages and then spend time with your grown child who's in your home and have a Bible study. And as you get done with that, then say, I'd like for you to start paying my bills because I'm an elderly person and... And if you're not, just identify as one. I'm an elderly person because they're identifying as a small child. So identify as, a, as, a, as, an, as a, an elderly person and then say, you, you pay the bills for us. That's biblical. <laughs> Anyways, getting back to what we were talking about. I'm sorry. I just, you know, it's just something we need to talk about. Anyways, so specifically here, God's commanding those who are too young to marry, who are in the home, they are to obey and honor their parents. In other words, children. All the children's eyes just went down. Children. You don't need to point them out. I know who's children. I got adults going, right there, Harold. Sometimes I think we're a little bit too comfortable in this room. But anyways, it means this. Do what your parents tell you and do it with a good attitude. The word obey means to come under the authority of one who is not your equal. So it's specific. God was giving specific words. Back in Ephesians chapter 5, where it talks about wives being subject to your husband, same, it's a very similar word. Am I convicting people? Anyways, um, the, it, says, it says there that wives are subject to subject themselves to their husbands. That word there is equals. Husbands and wives are equals before God. It's the wife who's willingly coming under the authority of her husband who's supposed to be the spiritual leader in the home, not the spiritual wife. The spiritual wife is to be a spiritual encourager in the home. Here, very similar word, but it's not the equal. So in other words, children, you are not your parents' equal. This isn't a thing where you negotiate with your parents. Hey, mom, dad, whatever, 
hey, uh, I want to do this and this and this, and if we do this, and I'll do this, this. No, no. You could ask permission to do it, but the parents decide whether you're going to do it or not. It's certainly not parents obey your children. It's a present imperative. This is a lifestyle. This is day in, day out, no matter how unfair you think the rule is, or the responsibility is, you do it. You obey. And it's in the Lord. This is a great phrase, because, listen, God's telling you, children, that it's, that it's hard to do that. You're just as much of a selfish sinner, sinner as your parents are. He gets it. He knows that. We struggle as adults. You're definitely going to struggle as a kid. You think you know better than we do. I did when I was a kid. So he says, in the Lord. He knows this is going to be hard because your friends at school are going to think that, you, you know, what they called me, you're a mama's boy. Mama's boy? Where did you come up with that? It didn't make any sense to me. So The problem was my mom used to call me the baby of the family even when I was in my 20s. Anyways, I'm going to be talking about bitterness later. That's besides the point. Let's move on. Listen, God knows it's going to be hard. God knows you're going to look stupid to your friends. They're going to be wondering, why aren't you in on this, man? You can actually get a bunch of stuff from your parents if you do this right. And so he says, oh, by the way, and it might even be your siblings. You might have siblings who think you're nuts for obeying mom and dad. You should, you should just do what you want to do like what we're doing. So yeah, it's going to be difficult. But you do it in the Lord. First, in a relationship with Jesus Christ, who get, then you have God, the Holy Spirit in your life, and then you look to Him for strength. And when you're about to have a bad attitude and you don't want to obey, you ask God, give me the strength to do it. To do what my parents have asked me to do. And then this is right. In other words, it's right because you're obeying God. God! You're not obeying your parents. Yes, you are, but... It's beyond that. You're obeying God. God's saying do this. And it's not just going through the motions. It's, it's having a, a good attitude. It's honor. Honoring them. It means to have high regard or respect for a person's position. Children, do you know your parents will answer to God one of these days for how they've raised you? You don't realize the fear that should be put into your parents' heart for that. I know it's in mine. Which would be, it's great because if you don't like what's going on, go to God. Ask God. God, give me the strength to do this. But God, if they're wrong, if, if I'm right and they're wrong, help them to see that. And you know what? If you obey your parents well enough, long enough, you're going to build trust in your parents that you could maybe even have a conversation about whether that is right or wrong. And they'll trust you to have that conversation. But you have a bad attitude, and you don't, why do they even trust you? Present imperative, by the way, again, continually, day in, day out. God gives you a promise with this one. The Ten Commandments, none of them have a promise except for this one. And this one is, it'll be well with you. It means that things would go, it'll be good for you. It'll be beneficial for you. It'll bring growth and maturity to you. You'll live long on the earth. It's not live long and prosper. It's not that idea. It's this idea of having long years, a full life. Warren Wiersbe, he's a pastor and an author. I've actually uh, had a meal with him one time back in, in the day, which was kind of neat. He says this, to live long does not mean uh, that everyone who died young dishonored his parents. All right? 
uh, he, talking about Paul, was stating a principle, when children obey their parents in the Lord, they will escape a good deal of sin and danger and thus avoid the things that could threaten or shorten their lives. Man, when I look back on my life, the fact that I obeyed my parents at crucial times in my life, man, they, they saved me from a lot of mess. Uh, a lot of stuff that I could have fallen into. But life is not measured only by quantity of time. It's also measured by quality of experience. So God enriches the life of the obedient child no matter how long he may live on the earth. Sin always robs us. Obedience always enriches us. You want to disobey your parents? You want to sin? That is going to rob you. Rob you of peace in a home, stability in a home. You're going to rob you of your parents' trust in you. But you obey there's going to be peace in the home. There's going to be stability in the home. It's going to be a place you want to come home to. It's going to be a place where your kids, your friends want to come over to, which we'll talk about at the end here today. And it's going to build trust. Listen, kids, your parents, your parents aren't perfect. My parents weren't perfect. And that's why we should obey them. I mean, that's kind of weird. No, think about it. Your parents are older than you. They have lived longer than you. They've actually gone through the same age range that you're currently in. Maybe some different pressures than you have. Maybe some of the same, whatever the case. And they've gone through and they have made right decisions and they've seen the results of those right decisions. But they're not perfect. We're not perfect. They've also made bad decisions and the results of those bad decisions those bad decisions aren't for you to use as an excuse for you to make the same bad decisions. Why would a parent want their kid to make the same bad decisions that they made? Learn from their bad decisions and do the right thing because your parents know the results of them. They know the pain that's involved in the bad things and the wrong decisions. They know the joy that comes from doing it right. Learn from them. Paul moves on to parents. And, and even though parents aren't perfect... God's desire is that a child's obedience wouldn't be frustrated by hypocritical or inconsistent parenting. So here's what he says. Fathers, and also talking about mothers, comes out of verse 1. Do not, he starts with a negative. Do not provoke your children to anger. It says, this is causing a smoldering bitterness inside your child. But bring them up and the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. And so he starts with this negative. And again, he says fathers, but it's only fathers as, as uh, the spiritual leaders of the home. The, mo the mom, who is the spiritual encourager, she needs to be involved in this, because it said parents before. Single parents, this is difficult for you because you don't have both. It's just you. And this is why you need to lean heavily on your church family. All families need to do this, but you need to lean heavily on your church family. You need to have men and women, godly men and women, coming around your kids and showing them what a godly woman, a godly man looks like. I've seen this over and over and over again in my life in church where there's been a single parent and their child comes to church and the people of that church go around that child just encourage that child, pray for that child, help that child grow. And that's what our church family, you need to lean on your church family and grandparents. If you're raising kids, it's as if you're the parent. Do it. Trust God with it. 
if you're not raising kids, then influence the grandkids. Be a person that your grandkids can look to and say, wow, they're really doing life God's way. But parents, first of all, don't provoke your children to anger. This is completely opposite of what the Roman culture was. The Roman culture, the dads of the home ruled the home. The wife was property and the children were property. He didn't need to worry about them emotionally. He just made sure that they had food in order to have the energy to do whatever it is he wanted them to do. In Roman culture, a dad could have his children executed. And it would have been fine to do it. Interesting, he couldn't do that to a child he adopted. Interesting, and the Bible talks about us being adopted by God. Whole other message, but it's pretty cool. Once again, Christianity to the rescue. What did Christianity do to women? Raise them up. Don't believe what the world's telling you about Christianity putting women down. Christianity is the only religion, when truly followed, that raises women up to the equal of men, where men are supposed to work hard and sacrifice for their wives and to understand where their wife is coming from and to use their wife's wisdom and discernment to help them do life God's way. And it raises children up. They're no longer pieces of property. They're gifts from God that we have a responsibility to nurture and to encourage and to help them become more like Christ. That we lovingly train them and discipline them for God's use. And so we're not to provoke them to anger. It means, again, to make them anger, to irritate. It's a simmering anger. It's a smoldering bitterness. It's a present active. It's <clears throat> or a present imperative. It's you know, to do this day in and day out. Don't do this day in and day out. Make this a lifestyle where you're not causing bitterness in your child. It's not referring to when you say, hey, go shovel or oh, go take the trash out. Let them be angry. No, this is, this is something more. It's deeper. It's, it's an attitude in their heart. And it comes from parents who are inconsistent, who are hypocritical. They're unnecessarily harsh in their physical or emotional responses. There's a bunch of different ways. I, I, I threw some up here. Just what I've seen over the years and I've actually seen in my own life. Hypocrisy, I think, is the number one. Parents are they're at home and they're yelling and screaming and cussing and they're doing everything that any other parent who ever lived on this earth would do who's not a follower of Jesus Christ. They get in the car, heading to church. It's still happening in the car. They get into the parking lot. They're all kind of, okay, kids, everybody. Come walking into church. Oh, hey, good morning. Hi, God bless you. Yes, God's awesome. Way to go, Pastor. Great message, Pastor. Get back in the car. Get back to the house and it's just a mess again. Parents who are hypocrites. You got parents who are disobedient. The kids are coming to church, they're hearing messages like this, and then they go home and they see their parents don't give a rip about it. They may try to even talk to talk, but the kids are like, Yeah, I'm not seeing it. That causes bitterness in kids. Overly critical with no encouragement. That's mine. Thank the Lord for Kim. Kim wasn't critical enough. So God brought me to her life. And we've, over the years, actually kind of balanced things out. Because I listened to my wife's wisdom. And every once in a while she listened to my wisdom. 
I was, I'm so critical. I, I can see everything that's wrong, including what's wrong in my kids, what, how they did that wrong. What? <laughs> it happened even yesterday. Uh, Hagen was over. He's grown. He doesn't listen, listen to me anymore. And we were doing something. I'm like, uh, Hagen, you need to take a little bit more out of that corner. <laughs> you didn't do it right, Hagen. And so Kim helped me understand that I need to encourage my kids. When they do it right, I need to say, hey, good job. I need to recognize when they do it right before they come and tell me they did it right. Which makes me have to be aware of my children. Not always so self-focused about me and what I want. So that's, that number three is me. Excessive or out of proportion discipline. Being absent. Work and hobbies and other things are more important than the family, than the kids. So parents who want kids to grow up spiritually, emotionally, and socially healthy need to nurture they need to invest time. They need to sacrifice to meet the kids' spiritual, emotional needs. Not their wants, but their needs. That's what the word bring them up means. It means to nurse to maturity, to, to nurture, to meet spiritual, emotional, physical needs. Notice in here, it doesn't say, I mean, I'm going to just reread it real quick. Fathers, not promote children. Yeah. Notice it doesn't say pastors, youth pastors, teachers, Somebody at the church. It doesn't say that we're supposed to do that. It says you're supposed to do that, starting with the fathers. And so you discipline them, which means it's any God-honoring way of ensuring good behavior. It's being firm when you need to be firm, gentle when you need to be gentle. It's constructive criticism when that needs to happen. It's encouragement when that needs to happen. Do you realize that each child, each of your children, if you have more than one, they learn differently? Do you know how your child learns? Do you know how each of your children receives encouragement? Do you know how each of your children receives discouragement? Do you know that my parents, uh, because they had a certain way of doing, I have four, there's five boys and I'm the youngest, my mom used to measure grapes, weigh grapes. And that's what we got as part of our meal. Because she didn't want any of us to feel like we had you know, an unfair advantage on the other ones. She, she could cut a cake... And, and unbelievable, like it's equal. It's just like, you're OCD, it's scary. But she, was, she did that. They, they treated us exactly the same. Do you know that I couldn't play sports? I snuck into wrestling. Um, but I couldn't play sports, and I asked my mom one time, and I was like, well, why not? Well, your, your brother didn't make the baseball team. What? It was just weird. But anyways... Um, <laughs> Yeah. Anyways, what I had to learn is that all three of my kids learn differently. And now I have grandkids, and so I'm trying to figure them out. They're kind of young to figure out, but I'll get there. So we do this in discipline, and then you guessed it. Here it comes. You ready for this? And instruction. Instruction means to put in mind. It's teaching God's Word in ways. Because it says both of these, discipline of the Lord and instruction of the Lord. Both flow, uh, flow out of God's Word, the Bible. <laughs> you can't get away from it, can we? can we? We've got to be in the Bible. Dads, moms, we've got to be in the Bible. We've got to know what God's Word says and we need to apply it to our lives so then we can help our children understand how to apply it to their lives. That's why God's given us the Word, 2 Timothy. We talk about this a lot of times, and we use it as a proof that God's Word is inspired. 
And then we kind of flow through the rest of this. But put this in, in framework of your home. All Scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, telling us what we've done wrong, for correction, how to get back on doing it right, for training in righteousness, how to keep on going, so that the man of God, including his children, may be adequate, which means be fully capable, equipped for every good work, everything that God wants us and them to do. So that's God's structure. That's what we understand that God really means this. This is how it really should be operating in our homes. So, but why? There's a bunch of reasons I'm going to focus on two this morning as we close. First one is this. Committed parents produce committed adults. Let me say it again. Committed parents produce committed adults. They did a survey, LifeWay Research, and they, they talked to kids who are regular attenders um, during high school years. They had, had to regularly attend a church for at least a year. And so then they found this out, that at 17 years old, so the kid was 15, you know, 14, 15, 16, whatever, at 17, 69% continued to attend. All right? At 18, it dropped down to 58% were attending. At 19, it dropped to 40%. And when they got into their 20s, only 33% of those kids who were regular attenders continued to attend. That's kids who were regular attenders. Imagine the kids who are not regular attenders. Families who are not regularly attending. And I get it that they say that 50% is a regular attender. That's just what's happening in the church. That is not a definition of regular attending. Regular attending, according to Scripture, is be here every Sunday. And even during the week. That's regularly attending according to Scripture. And so the tendency for kids is as they get older, they walk away from church. And not that church is God, but church is where they should find more information about who God is. Church is a good understanding, that uh, a good way of understanding where a kid um, uh, positions God in her life. And where did I get that? Well, the next thing that LifeWay research found is why young adults continue to attend. So 56% of them was because that they saw the church as a vital part of their relationship with God. You know why they thought that? Because it is. It's what the Bible says. I was just reading through, I'm going through Ephesians right now, and I'm taking Caleb through Ephesians right now. And Ephesians 4 talks about the fact that you cannot grow spiritually if you're not with a church family. It's part of the spiritual... I, sometimes, if I had hair, I'd pull it out. Um, and I, by the way, I get the tension. I, did, I haven't always been a pastor. And so I get the tension. Sometimes getting up on Sunday mornings and having your pajamas on and drinking some coffee and watching your live stream, it's awesome. I get it. It's not what God wants, but it's, it is awesome. 54%, um, they saw churches helping them guide their decision-making. And 43 said they wanted to follow the example of a parent or, or family member. I'm sure if you look deeper into these stats, that, that some, maybe many, but not all, of those who dropped out had families who were not really committed. And again, I'm looking at my history. I literally grew up in church, like born on Wednesday and church on Sunday. And I would also say that those who remained in church, not all of them, but a good majority of them, had families who did that who are committed to being in church. Remember Proverbs 22.6. Anytime I talk about children, raising kids, 
I bring this one up because train up a child in a way he should go. Even when he's old, he will not depart from it. We love that, right? Awesome. Do you know we can train a kid to become a hypocrite? If we're hypocrites? You know, we can train kids to become disobedient to God if we are continually disobedient to God? Do you know we can train our kids to be committed to God if we're committed to God? That's what that verse is saying. It's not a promise. It's just a general truth that whatever you put into your kids, when they become adults, they're going to be like that. And what are we doing? What are we pouring into our kids? What are they seeing in our lives? And here's the other reason. Committed families will draw hurting families to God. Listen, you guys, please understand this. You've got your friends in school who are dying and going to hell. If they, if they die, whatever that is, and they don't know Jesus Christ, they spend an eternity in hell. Hell is described as a place for Satan and his demons, a place of separation from God, but also of, of incredible pain. And God has you guys in your schools to bring that message to them. And your family is huge. Because if they can come over to your house and your house is peaceful and your house is stable, they're going to be, man, I want some of that. How do I know that? Because I lived it personally and my kids have learned that. We've seen kids come to Christ because they came into our home and they saw the peace of God in our home. Not perfect, but they saw that. You guys, obey your parents. Show your friends that there's a better way of doing life so they want that. You can lead them to Christ. Live for something more than yourself. Parents, live for something more than yourself. You've got friends who need to see your family doing it God's way so you can bring peace and stability to them through faith in Jesus Christ. This isn't a game. I keep coming back to this thing. It's not a game. We can tell them where the peace comes from. It's through a relationship with Jesus Christ and doing life His way. Not just doing life His way. You have a relationship with Him. So what are our takeaways? One, I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on this. You've you got to be in God's Word daily. I know I say it literally every week. And until every person in our church is doing it every day, I'm going to keep on saying it. And I pray that our church continues to grow, so I have to keep on saying it every week. you got to be in God's Word. You eat three meals and more a day. You will not miss a meal. That's your spiritual meal. Secondly, you must trust and obey God. God really means what He says. And the more you do it, the more you'll understand it. The more you do it, the crazier crazier you'll look. And you're, like I said, your siblings may think you're crazy. That's okay. Let them think you're crazy. Show them the right way. Stand up. Third, you must pray. You have to pray for and with your kids. And I should have put it up there and your grandchildren. But kids, you're going to be praying for your parents. Again, they're not perfect. They're they're struggling through life just like you're trying to struggle through life. Pray for them. And then thirdly, you, you must rely on your church family. All the families in our church should be relying on each other, helping each other, encouraging each other, especially if you're a single parent, especially if your grandparents having to re- raise your grandkids. It's hard. You, you had plans, and they all changed. 
So your church family needs to come around you. Let us do that. That's a responsibility that God has given us. And then members, as I mentioned before, we need to step up. We need to be serving. We need to be infused. We need to be in grace, kids. We need to be showing these kids that there are other adults in this world who are truly following Jesus Christ, not just their crazy, whacked-out parents. Crazy, whacked-out because they're trying to do it God's way. Having said that, let me just, one last thing. We try to do stuff here at our church. Again, it's not Jason's mind or Josiah's mind responsibility to raise your kids. That's your job. I've already had my job raising my kids. It's your job. But we come around you. We do things to help you. We have Fuse. We have Grace Kids. We have our Bible studies Sunday mornings. We have opportunities to come and you know, meet, meet, meet with us in our office and we can help you work through specific situations. We have what we call Kalahari, where the youth, 2,300 of them, they go and they have a great time at Kalahari. Yes, is it fun? It looks like a load of fun. I, I mean, I'd be icing my back if I had to do all the stuff they're doing. Yes, yeah, fun. Why? Because it's a bunch of youth. So they're gonna, it, they, take the, they take over the entire park. And there's a bunch of free time. They can do a bunch of fun stuff, and it's, it's great. But it's awesome because when they get together and they have their sessions, I'll say 2,000 of them, yeah, probably 300 of them, not really. There was a church who has a youth group of about 300, I think it is, 200 or 300, but they brought 500. <laughs> non-church kids, possibly. But whatever the case, it's not, a, you know, church kids, non-church kids, there's kids messing around and they, they do things that they shouldn't do. We, you know, whatever. But the other kids <laughs> that are in there, they're singing, they're having fun, they're finding out more about who God is. And here's just one impact of one young lady from last year's Kalahari. My name's Kennedy Long. Life before Christ was always a task. I always felt like my mom made me go to church, and I always tried to make excuses not to go or just to go to adult service and not use. In 2022, I attended the Kalahari retreat. I felt like seeing so many people my age get together and worship God and just the words that Pastor Brad was speaking to us just moved me. Pastor Brad gave a moment for students like me to give our life to Christ. I decided to pray and give my life to Jesus. I had emotions just rush over me. Part of being a Christian is standing up and being the change in the world. I left the retreat um, encouraged to follow God and now I have a desire to be at church and I desire to be there even if it means coming straight after sports and use that time to really dig into God's Word. I demonstrated the change in my life by taking the next step and getting baptized this past year. I'm excited and continuing to take my next step in following Jesus. I'm looking forward to what God has planned for me next. Oh, pardon me, I was writing myself a note. So here's a young lady who goes to Kalahari and all that stuff is put together so the kids can focus in on hear the message of Jesus Christ, the gospel. And she gives her life to Christ. And Jason's talked with Luke, the youth pastor down there, and, and this girl is still doing it right, just living for God, trying to do what God wants her to do. She's given her life to Christ and she knows that she, now she needs to live that way. I'm going to say this to the 1030 service um, earlier in my message, but I'm going to say this. Parents, don't ever use church as a discipline. If your child is not doing well in school, 
Don't keep them from church so they could work on their homework. You want them to do better in school? Have them understand what it means to follow Jesus Christ and to be a good student because God said to be a good student. Anyways, I want to introduce somebody, somebody to you. Come on up. They may not know you. Hey, this is Jason Wells. Let's give him a hand, people. Jason Wells. Jason Wells, he's a youth guy here at Grace Point Church. You may not know him. Uh, come on up, Jason. Hey. Hi, Jason. Great. Great to... Mm. He's the one you talk to about Kala... This guy here is the one you talk to about Kalahari. Sorry, I'm sweating on you. He can sign you up if you want a scholarship for some kids to go. This guy. Right? You'll take their money. Yes. Sign up. Kids, this is where you can... I've got to be careful when I say this, but kids, this is where you can go, oh, please, I want to go. Kind of like what you do with your gym shoot. No, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Thanks for coming up. Appreciate that. Um, yeah, sign up. Get, yeah, give him a hand. He gets, he gets scared in front of people. Um, sign up. Get your kids signed up. Get your grandkids signed up. Scholarship kids so they can go. Be praying for that weekend. It's in January. Be praying for that. Let's go ahead and stand and we'll close in prayer. Heavenly Father, um, man, I, I, I pray this all the time. This is so important for us to get a hold of. As parents and as kids, we have got to get this, both for our own lives, but also for the lives of our friends, co-workers, family, Lord, I pray that we would take note of this. I pray that we would go home and we would read through this again. I pray that we would take this to you and that you would give clarity and understanding to both the kids and to the parents as to how to move forward. Lord, thank you for your clarity. Thank you for allowing us to be a part of the mission that you have of drawing people to you and the fact that we can use everything in our lives, including our family, to do that. Bless each one. In Christ's name, amen.